Welcome to the Total Car Score Podcast, bringing you the world of cars from inside the car. And now your hosts, Carl Brower, Lauren Fix, and Javier Mota. Welcome back to the Total Car Score Podcast with Carl Brower and Lauren Fix. And uh, we're in 2021 and our second show. And uh, I don't know how things have started for you guys. For me, it was like a lot of excitement, almost like 2020 summer, but then like, boom, here we are again, <laughs> lockdown and still not traveling or anything. I don't know. How are you, Lauren? At least you have good. good weather, right? Yeah, well, I'm down in Florida. I've escaped from New York, like the movie Escape from New York, except I'm not Snake Plissken. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, the weather down here is nice. I've uh, just finished reviewing a Camaro convertible and a couple other vehicles, and uh, I have to head back to that cold, crappy weather up north, but I'll be back down here soon. Yeah. Uh, how about you, Carl? Uh, you're still in Southern California, obviously, where well, things are really bad with the pandemic, from what I hear on the news. Yeah, I would uh, I would resonate and agree with the fact that they're bad. I mean, since I have now confirmed that I had COVID, I guess you could say that they're... Uh, that oh, really? They're, it's pretty dominant. Yeah. Uh, no, I was sick the like week before Christmas. And uh, my wife had pretty much had the same symptoms within 48 hours of me having them. And I haven't bothered to get tested, but she did. And uh, boom, positive COVID. So I'm going to gonna go ahead and say I probably had it too. Wow. That's wow. pretty serious. Well, take Hopefully care. you're doing again. okay. Yeah. I mean, it was uh, two weeks ago yesterday that I last had a fever. So, um, you know, again, the... The disease has the ability to have all sorts of effects on all sorts of people and all sorts of varieties. But like a lot of people, some are saying 99.5 plus percent, um, I dealt with it and now I'm done. And uh, that's how it's, uh, that's how it was. And by the way, I saw a great uh, uh, quote, I think maybe some of us on this call did too, where uh, Jeremy Clarkson, uh, the famous uh, Top Gear guy, said uh, when he got, he got sick of being uh, seeing stories that said he was battling coronavirus. So finally he went on Twitter and he said, I have not been battling coronavirus. I laid in bed until it went away. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Yeah. And well, that's anyway. Much, that's, and that's what I did, by the way. That's exactly what I did. And it took about, I mean, literally it was about 48 hours of, you know, pretty nasty symptoms. And uh, that was it. Well, I'm glad you're okay. And um, hopefully won't come back or anything like that. So let's back to the automotive industry now. Yeah, it's so a lot easier to handle this. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, 2020 is over, and obviously the, the sales reports came out uh, this week. I mean, good numbers in general, despite, again, the pandemic. We cannot avoid talking about that. So we saw uh, most of the big brands having good numbers despite of all of this, like, right, uh, Carl, what have you seen or what has caught your attention in these reports this week? Well, you know, we're off about 15% in volume for sales from, you know, hitting 17 plus million cars for the last five years in a row to hitting only around 14 and a half million in 2020, 15% off. But if you look at the types of sales, the nature of the sales, and of course, things like transaction price, I'm confident that both dealers and manufacturers are not off 15%. They might be off 3%, 5%, 7%, but I'm betting they're off less than half of that because what they did sell was high-profit trucks, high-profit uh, convertibles and sports cars. You know, this was the best year for Bentley ever. Um, so there was plenty of activity in the auto industry uh, short of, you know, March through kind of like May. 
But really, once you got into the second half of the year, it rebounded quickly and it rebounded with high profit vehicles and high transaction prices. So um, nobody in the industry should be, you know, saying that they died in 2020, even if it was a little scary there for a couple months. Yeah. What I saw, something that caught my attention was like there were records also for the monthly payments, uh, the amount finance of the average price for the cars. Uh, 35,754 monthly payments of 587 down down payments went up to eight four thousand eight hundred and seventy six and the interest rate four thirty four three nine APR with a term of almost 69 months like that's that's like, too like long crazy right you should yeah. never get never yeah. own, take a loan on a car longer than 60 months or at least longer yeah. than three years. I mean, in many cases, you're outside the warranty. You're kind of screwed. Especially at yeah. that rate. That's a terrible rate to be paying for that kind of time. My gosh. Yeah, exactly. You're paying like more than twice for the car at the end. If, if you, I mean, it's, it's, it's really, really, really crazy what, what is happening. But I guess the pandemic drove that because more people were avoiding uh, lifts and Ubers and all those kind of things, public transportation and wanting their own cars. So again, good and bad numbers uh, for the whole industry in terms of of sales. Uh, besides uh, Bentley that uh, Lauren and, and I mean, we're talking about that. I mean, there are other companies that had like really, really good numbers. Kia, I mean, Hyundai. General Motors um, posted 4.8% gain for the quarter. VW, Kia, Ford was up. I mean, that was trucks. They had a backlog of people waiting for that F-150. And, of course, the, the full-size SUVs, they were up too, but 4.8% for the quarter. That That's big. It tells you people want their transportation, especially if you've got a big family, you're hauling stuff, or you want to escape New York. <laughs> <laughs> We were uh, also talking about what have we are driving these days, and uh, you actually had that Ventiga, right? Uh, Lauren, tell, tell us about that car. I mean, they, they did a, a few improvements in, in, in that car that has a lot of competition in that small segment, but like pretty heavy competition. Yeah, I found it interesting. You're looking at a Bentley Bentayga. Now, it's not your average person's car. And yeah, it starts around $160,000. But they offer a V8. They have a hybrid coming out. And then the W12 Speed. So I got the V8 to drive. And I picked it up at the dealer. And the dealer, of course, starts quizzing me because they want to know what we think as, as journalists. And one of the things he said is, you know, how do you think this competes against an Urus, a Lamborghini Urus, which is their cool SUV? And I said, not at all. I said, if I own a Gallardo or some other cool Lamborghini, I'll probably have an Urus in the garage, such as if I have a 911, I'm going to have a Cayenne in the garage, which is my situation. But a Bentley is a different situation. Bentley is about making a statement. It is like Audi's super premium brand. And there's so much Audi in that car. It's unbelievable. That's one of the things I noticed you get in. It was like very intuitive, very easy to understand. So the virtual cockpit, theirs is a little bit different, but it was really easy to use. The quality of their leather, though, was spectacular, like top, top, top of the line. And it looks better, too. They improved the front end and, and the headlights. And I, I posted pictures on social media, and I'll also have it in my review uh, really cool because what it is is they put like a diamond design in it. I thought it was really like almost like a Swarovski crystal. I thought they did a beautiful job uh, and they really moved the license plate down little things. But overall, I think they did a nice job upgrading it because they needed it. But forget that third row. I kind of chuckled. I'm like, you're spending <laughs> car I test row $240,000 and the third row is like your knees past your, your throat. You know, it's like, okay, don't even bother. Just, just forget it. Anyone who's got this vehicle is not going to buy a third row. And the dealer told me that someone bought a three-row and then turned it back in right away and said, I just need two. 
instead of just yeah. not opening the third row. <laughs> I had something to compare with that. That was the Mercedes Maybach 600, um, which is like the luxury version of the GLS uh, SUV. And again, this one was around 175,000. So it competes with uh, Ventiga. And yeah, it draw a lot of attention, but it is, I mean, they try to revive the Maybach name, but I mean, it's kind of pushing it a little bit in my taste because it's really, I mean, we know what it's based on. You were saying like the, the Ventiga has a lot of Audi. This has everything about the GLS and, and it's nice. I mean, I'm not going to say anything about it, but, uh, anything against it, but uh, at the end, it's uh, just the GLS with uh, a little more things. Uh, what do you think, Carl, about that? Uh, crazy segment of luxury SUVs. Well, they're doing really well. I mean, if you've got one to sell as an automaker, you're doing good because uh, as we've been saying, it's it, the, the <clears throat> contraction of the car market wasn't as bad as a lot of people thought. And um, it actually expanded in certain areas. Luxury cars did really well this year. Trucks we know did really well this year. Um, convertibles did really well this year. So high-end SUVs, you know, Bentley had its best year ever and the Bentaga was part of the, uh, was a big part of that. Um, and, and Mercedes is just like, Hey, we can come out with high-end, super high-priced, uh, luxury SUVs too. And we'll, we'll re we'll revive that Maybach name. So, um, it's not a bad business plan in spite of, uh, what seems like, you know, crazy prices for crazy cars in a crazy pandemic year. Um, plenty of people were there to buy those. You know, yeah, one of the things, Carl, that you had said about auto sales, you know, I'm looking at the numbers because they literally just got released as we're recording this, 16.7 million. I remember we having a conversation, the three of us saying, ah, oh, 14 million. Then later we upgrade, maybe 15.5, 16.7. That's just a touch lower. Than last well, that's year. are you. That's not the total sales. That was the well, that was the run rate. I think for either December yeah. or Q four. That's a so. lot. That's a lot. Yeah. Well, it was eight point nine or eight point seven uh, run rate. Eight point seven million in April. So it's literally like doubled from. Uh, you know, uh, they were on track to sell eight million and eight point seven million cars in April, and they sold again. They they ended up selling about fourteen and a half million, but they had a run rate of 16, seven, like you're saying in December. So more than twice, you know, approximately twice what they had in April. So it, it rebounded. You could, I think it's safe to say the auto, auto industry somewhat rebounded in the last half of the year. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's funny because yeah, Silverado and, uh, outsold Ram. That was like crazy. Yep. Silverado outsold Ram. Yep. Big, big statement. So anyway, I think we're going to see definitely a much better 2021 in, in many aspects, not only in sales. So we'll see what that, that brings to us. So we're going to come back with the second segment in a minute. Welcome back to our second show of 2021. And uh, aren't you guys, the elections are over? Well, we're waiting for the only election that has to factor into our business, which is North American Car and Truck. No, that's what, that's what talking, <laughs> yeah, that's what I was talking about. <laughs> oh, good. I'm glad that's the subject I'd rather talk about. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we are next week uh, in the in next week's episode. We're going to talk to the winner. So it's going to be pretty exciting. And uh, again, obviously, it's going to be a virtual event. Uh, we're going to do it over Zoom or one of these platforms, I think. The announcement is coming up uh, Monday, January 11th at 11 a.m. Eastern time. So catch on that if you are on, on, on the web or wherever you are. And then we'll talk to the winners next week about that. So 
One car that I drove uh, last week uh, that really, really um, impressed me was the Volkswagen ID4. It was a very short drive here in Miami. And uh, I think uh, we've been talking about electric cars lately a lot. Uh, new models like the Mustang Mark E, which is in the finalist of the NATO Awards. And I think uh, a lot of people, including myself, obviously, have, have been saying like, okay, we'll wait till the other manufacturers start doing or, or, or producing their, their own models. Then we can say like, what's going to really prevail in the future. So I don't know if you have had a chance to, to drive that, Carl, or not. And I want to hear your impressions on that. I was really impressed, although the range is not as, as high as it should some people say it needs to be around 300 this is a little less but i think overall it was a very well done car what is the range on the id4 i do remember it was a bit disappointing what's it supposed to be yeah it was like officially it's like 240 but you know how it is like we talk about that 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 topic here like even volvo eliminated the range of that like just like learn people let people learn how to calculate so it's around 240 i, I don't know remain exactly remind exactly but it's around that yeah, I mean, I think, you know, that's, I mean, I think the Mach-E, you know, its base range is a two, a 230, and then it can drop to 211 if you get the all-wheel drive version, but don't upgrade the battery. But then it can go to 300 if you stick with just rear-wheel drive, which is lighter, and go with the extended battery. So, um, and then, of course, how you drive it, as uh, Volvo's trying to emphasize, is, is huge, too. I guess the only thing I would say is that um, I look at a vehicle like, say, the... Um, the Hyundai Kona EV, which I have personal experience with. And I drove it, uh, you know, 220 miles in one day when I needed to use a vehicle to do, do a, a long drive across the LA Metro mess and back. And I got back with 220 miles on the odometer and the trip meter, I should say. And it still had like 25 or 30 miles left, which would equate to about 255. And it's supposed to get about 240 plus. So to me, it's not really the number, it's the kind of dependability of the number. You know, if, if you can yeah. give me, if you can give me a range of 240 and what it takes to get less than 240 is pretty tough versus you tell me 240 and they're like, oh wait, you're going to go over 50 in it. Oh, well, no, that range isn't going to be the same if you go over 50. That I, I don't have any patience. On the temperature that. though, too. I mean, I had a Mach-E and it said it was a 270 mile range. But it was 26 degrees outside when I took delivery of the car. I had it for the day. They delivered it out to all the jury. And I got in it right away. It was at 180. And mm. so over time, as the day warmed up, it got up to about 220 maybe. But I, I had a lot of concerns because as the day went on, of course, it got cooler. And then I watched the mileage shrink. So it, when it got really cold, I ended up parking in the garage and taking a diesel vehicle that I could count on to where I needed to run because I the one thing you don't want and I think this is true with anyone is that range anxiety or that worry that I got to sit in line wait to charge it's cold outside I don't know what I'm going to get so the big thing is real warm and real cold temperatures are a huge impact so depending on you're living in beautiful country Carl you have nice weather year-round I do not so I mean if you live in nice weather year-round sure that's not an that's not a bad choice if that works for your lifestyle but for the real cold and real hot climates like Arizona, it doesn't make sense. 
Yep. Well, you you had a car that makes sense for where you are this week, right? The Camaro convertible. <laughs> that was yep. a nice thing. It's a little chilly here, actually. It's it's a high of sixty today, which is unusual for Florida. But uh, I still put the top down. You kind of have to, you know. You get a convertible, you take it for a drive. This is the Camaro with a six a six cylinder engine because it comes four cylinder, six cylinder V eight. But this is the end of the run, from what I'm told. This is the, the end of the Camaros. And you know what? I drove one when it first came out and I got in the car and right out of the box, I had 10 things I hated about it. And you know what? They haven't changed any of those 10 things. You know, it's still terrible visibility, uncomfortable seats. The center screen's at a weird angle. Um, fun to drive. Handles great. Everything works as expected, but there's just low features and you have to upgrade to safety and everything. You start adding it on. I've got a convertible six cylinder Camaro that looks amazing and the build quality is great. But the visibility is terrible and the seats are uncomfortable. So, I mean, it's $45,000. I could do a lot. There's a lot of options in that price point. Yeah, but as we were saying in terms of the sales and the profits for the car manufacturers, they're not going to put any money in a car that doesn't sell in high volumes like the pickup trucks. And just like as you said, it's going to be gone in a few years, right, Carl? No, they're not. And um, there's an irony there, of course, because... It seems like with the with sales, you've got kind of two big moves, right? You've got trucks and SUVs on the big vehicle size, <clears throat> and then you've got performance cars on the car side. And everything else is kind of dying, truthfully. Uh, so sedans, uh, you know, compact cars, midsize sedans that are not really performance-oriented and are not utilitarian-oriented, that's where there's kind of a no-man's land and they're just slowly fading away. Um, that doesn't mean they'll all go away. We're going to always have the, the strong players in there like Accords and Camrys, but we're not going to have 10 mid-sized sedans. We're not going to have that. We're going to have like four or five probably. And I think the Camaro... Is, down any of them. Yeah, and the Camaro is a sad story on, on my mind because, you know, I'm a muscle car guy. I like the idea of a sporty, cool-looking two-door coupe, and that car should have been far more successful. But everything Lauren said... Is correct. It's it's a terrible execution. And the original one that came out in 2009 was, you know, mediocre in most ways or, or bad. And then they did the redesign, I think around 2014, and they made it a better car dynamically. It got lighter. Uh, and, and so dynamically, it got to be a much more capable car. But like Lauren said, you still can't see out of it. It still has terrible ergonomics inside the, the seat to dash to steering wheel to shifter, you know, uh, ratio and, and placement is all off. And the car just, it's been completely left in the dust by the Challenger and the Mustang in terms of the sales race. So to me, it's just yeah. ironic that in a, in a world where sports cars and performance cars and coupes are the only ones that are the only versions of normal traditional cars that are um, succeeding in sales and, and profit. Even the Camaro, you know, the Camaro, even in that environment, still can't succeed. Yeah, one thing that I have to say, it's cool in that car, maybe one of the very few things, is the functional AC vents that where you turn them, you cha change the temperature and the speed of the fan. I think that was like a one little design uh, aspect that was uh, actually kind of uh, very um, new to the industry. I never seen anything like that. But yeah, overall... Cool car, but really not very Terrible successful. Terrible truck, Any, too. 
<laughs> yeah, oh, exactly. the, the trunk is. And when they didn't fix that in the redesign, I couldn't believe it. When I opened the trunk lid and I'm like, you guys didn't address this, you know, <laughs> you know, you've got, you've got whatever it is. It's not a big trunk because it's a coupe, but whatever it is, it's an eight, nine foot, nine cubic foot trunk. Oh, by the way, the entry point for the trunk is, yeah. is a half a cubic foot. So you really can't put anything bigger than half a cubic foot in it because even if, you know, once it w- if you could teleport it in, it would fit, but you can't get it in and out of the, out of it because of the trunk design. Terrible. Trunk right. And trunk. then everyone that rents one at the, you know, at local Hertz or whatever they rent it from, they end up putting the luggage in the back seat because you can't get the luggage in the trunk. Right. Yeah. So, and, that, and, that, and at the end, that's what that car became, right? Like pretty much like the, the people who come to Florida or go to Hawaii or California, they rent it for a couple of days, they drove it, and then they, they never even right. think about that. Well, you think about it, rental agencies is, in theory, the benefit or the upside of rental agencies, it's a way to get people who haven't committed to buying your car familiar with it. And if they love it during the rental experience, they'll buy it. I think we know what the rental experience was for Camaro uh, uh, drivers, and that's why the car didn't sell well. Yeah, sad. So anything, to be honest with you. Anything else? Anything else that you guys are excited about? And what are we going to see in twenty twenty one that uh, it's coming in the next few months? I, I'm going to be fascinated by the the FCA PSA intro, uh, you know, merger. We know that's going through. We kind of knew it anyways, but it got officially you know voted in this past week, and it's happening. And uh, we're going to see, you know, another emergence of a huge automaker. They're going to be probably the fourth biggest one after Volkswagen, Toyota, and General Motors globally. But doesn't the name sound like a drug? Like oh, if yeah. you've taken Stellantis, yeah, if you have these symptoms, <laughs> don't, see, uh, don't, don't, take, don't take Stellantis if it causes an allergic reaction. Yeah. They're not going to bring any new cars this year. No, I mean, no, we're no. We're not going to see anything new from them this year. I was talking about. Any new car that we are actually going to see uh, this uh, in 2021. But I guess we're going to talk about that in the third segment. We'll come back with that. So here we are back with the third segment of the Total Car Score podcast with uh, Carl Blower and Lauren Fix. And we were talking about what are we excited about in 2021, cars that we actually will be able to get behind the wheel. Uh, some of the ones that I can recall, obviously, the one, one of them is the Bronco, not the Sport that we are, it's already on sale, but the real Bronco, the two-door and the four-door. The GMC Hummer, which I think it's coming late this year. But uh, what else are you excited about, Lauren? Well, the Hummer is one, but I want to see what that actually comes out to be. A lot of times, some of the automakers will say GM being one of them, they they bring this big promises, amazing presentation, and everyone's like, oh my gosh, I got to have one, I got to have one. Then we get it and we're like, well, I didn't have that, or that's coming, and we never see it. So they have to deliver on their promises. Uh, I, there's going to be a lot of changes. I see like Kia changed their logo this week. So oh, I'm so curious that. how that's like going it. to impact the brand. I, I don't like it. I think it's it's like... Too it's hard retro. To I, I think it looks looks old already. I don't mm-hmm. know. What do you think, Carl? Uh, I'm I'm curious to see if Rivian's uh, truck and SUV uh, shows up this year. It better. Um, that's one of the best funded. EV companies out there, you know, short of the one we all know about. Um, so they, in far, as far as I'm concerned, there's no excuse, you know, and they had kind of the pandemic excuse. We were supposed to see something, I'm pretty sure, before the end of calendar 2020, and uh, obviously we didn't. So we better see something from Rivian, given all the money that I know has been dumped into that company and how well-funded it is. I'm curious and excited about the new Grand Cherokee and the new uh, L version with the three rows that's going to be uh, uh, debuting this week and has a heck of a lot of technology in it, too. 
too. Like they say that Uconnect 5 is going to be five times faster than the previous one. It's got an Android operating system. It's going to have 10 10 inch head up display and uh, four zone climate control. All sorts of really cool technology is going to be packed into that Grand Cherokee, reflecting really where the world's going, right? I mean, if, if it's a somewhat to definitely premium priced vehicle meant to carry a lot of people like a minivan or an SUV. It's got to be loaded with tech to compete. And the Grand Cherokee is going to reflect that. Yeah. You mentioned uh, Rivian, one of the new electric car uh, vehicle brands. And um, something popped up in my memories on uh, Facebook, I think. And we were in CES last year around this time. And Byton, you know, remember that company that yeah. was going to come yeah. up in, in yeah. 2021 around now they were going to they were going to bring out uh, their new cars that didn't happen. And now Lucid is coming up. Like actually over the holidays, I went for the opening of their first East Coast studio here in uh, Brickell Center down, downtown Miami. And the studio looks cool. The car looks cool. And apparently They're opening more studios here in, uh, in the East Coast, New York, West Palm Beach, and all that. And, and they claim, again, they're going to come out with that. So besides Rivian, that apparently has a lot of money coming up into their pipeline, what other brands do you think are going to really do something that we can actually see this year, Lauren? Well, I think there's going to be a lot of neat vehicles coming out in technology. I think we're going to see a lot more transitions into increasing safety features, which I think should be standard in a lot of cases. Uh, you're going to see a lot of that technology coming into new vehicles. I, there's a lot. Every brand seems to be doing something new. Like I, this morning, I got on Mitsubishi, who's kind of been on the quiet side since they moved to Tennessee, is coming out with a $14,000 car. I mean, talk about making it reasonable. And actually, it's a smart time to do that. It's kind of an SUV-ish car. But think about it. People don't want mass transit. They don't want to use Uber and Lyft. They want to be able to escape when they want to. But they just want something they can use sometimes. That's not that, that bad of an investment. Not that the car is great, but it's still an option to consider. And I think you're getting a lot of people starting to look at that saying, you know, why do we have to have a Bentley? I don't need that. I just need something to get me where I need to be. And I think you're going to see a lot more of that coming out in the very near future as well. And I remember when um, the, the Indian company, what's the name of it? I'm forgetting. Tata? Tata came out with a nano car that was going to be selling. Oh, $2,500 car, yeah. <laughs> $2,500 car. And this is like 10, 15 years ago. And Bob Lutz was still at GM. And I, I once asked him, like, so when are we going to have something like that? I said, we already have it. It's like the Aveo, but it cost like $10,000 back then. And that was a problem. So, But now I think with $15,000, you can get a decent car uh, with all the safety features that are mandatory by, by, by law and still get a really good cars. And we're seeing more of those like with the Venue from Hyundai, the Kicks from Nissan. Uh, so in the lower end, we started the show talking about the Ventiga and the uh, Mercedes-Benz Maybach. But on the lower end of the spectrum, there are really good cars coming up too, right, Carol? Yeah, I mean, I'm a huge fan of the new um, Kia Seltos. And I'm a huge, yeah. And I'm a huge fan of the, of course, the the Hyundai Kona. I've said, which has already been out for about a year. Um, there are plenty of excellent vehicles in the sub twenty five, even sub twenty thousand dollar price range out there. So uh, you can still get a good good car. And like you're saying, <laughs> you know, the quote unquote cheap cars of today are so far beyond what the 
cheap cars of even just 10, let alone 20 or 30 years ago were. Um, they're, they're basically, you know, high-end luxury cars by the standards of just, you know, even around 2000 or earlier. The, you know, if you, bought, if you bought the entry-level cars of that era, <laughs> you knew you bought an entry-level car. Yeah. So, Carl, I, I, I touched briefly, and I don't, I don't think you, you, um, you answered me, but did you see the Kia logo, really? Or I, have, think I think I saw a flash of it in my you know, various internet browser, oh, okay. but I didn't That's get a real good look at it. So, uh, um, but I always, you know, sometimes I get really frustrated with companies whenever they're doing any kind of, you know, whether it's, well, Kia, remember, they just changed from the Optima to K5 for their, uh, for their midsize sedan, their Accord competitor, which I didn't think was smart because I thought there was great brand equity in Optima. And I, I always wonder why these companies want to change like fundamental things, you know, whether it's names of cars or whether it's logos. Um, it, it, it's, it smacks of uh, some consultant or some internal department that has to prove its uh, its existence, you know, has to justify its money. And so it's like, hey, we came up with this new idea. And it's like, do you have any proof this new idea is better than uh, mm. the existing idea? No, but it's a new idea. So that means it's better by, by, by default, right? So that is a problem. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Yeah. I have to say, though, like the, the new Nissan logo on the Armada, even though it's thinner, it's like not just heavy on the Armada actually looks good. At least I like on that one. So I guess I have to see it in, in person to see how it looks on it. But uh, one thing for Kia, maybe, I mean, as we, we have talked about that uh, a lot, the perception of the brand still pretty bad for a lot of people, even though the product is really good. So maybe that's one of the reasons behind that. They have to, let's let's change something else. Let's see what people react to that. Maybe. Sounds like a Hail Mary pass to me. I think they're mm -hmm. making great product. And I think it's quickly, you know, it's, it's slowly but surely, I should say, becoming obvious to everyone. I mean, they're doing really well on all the quality store scores from the companies that specialize in that. Their resale value keeps going up. Um, they keep getting great reviews every time I drive one of their cars any any outlet I've got to discuss it, I always make sure people know. So I feel like Kia specifically is a brand that, um, perception, if your perception isn't that they're an extremely good brand, your perception's lagging reality pretty, pretty substantially. So while well, we made it to this, uh, second show of the 2021, and when we talk again, we're going to be talking and analyzing everything about the winners of the North American Car, Truck, and Utility Vehicle of the Year. Um, we already submitted our votes, I hope, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yep. I was early. I'm an early adapter. As soon as it comes out, I, I got to jump on. I want to make sure it's done and it's in. I did mine yesterday because I had a Mach-E here yesterday. So uh, I oh, wow. drive it one more time before I voted. They're pushing hard, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Again, like the finalists are in the car segment, the Nissan Sentra, the Genesis G80, and the Hyundai Elantra family. In the SUV is the Defender, the Mach-E, as you mentioned, and the GV80, the new SUV from Genesis. And in the truck side, it's the F-150, the Jeep Gladiator Mojave, which is the off-road version of it, right? And mm -hmm. the Ford Super Duty, right? No, Ford F-150. So it's the F-150 oh. TRX. Yeah. Uh, oh, TRX. TRX, correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah the, uh, was a semifinals. And I think in the previous show, we discussed our preferences. So go back and listen to that if you want. But uh, again, next week, 
we will talk to the actual winners of the election and we will really be over with the election season. <laughs> yeah, I think we're done with it in every aspect. <laughs> yeah, I agree. And, and I did a uh, Forbes story uh, that's up right now, if you want to go to Forbes, that analyzes uh, the nine finalists and gives my prediction of which one is going to win in each category. So uh, we'll have to see, we'll have to see how good we do. Yeah, we'll see how wrong I was, but uh, I, I did go ahead and commit to uh, each each category who I think will win. Well, we'll 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 talk about next week. So uh, take care, Carl. Are you still recovering? It sounds like from your voice a little bit. Um, and uh, Lauren, same thing. And uh, you're going back to the win to the real winter in Buffalo, right? Yeah, I'm heading back over the weekend, but then I won't be there long before I have to escape from New York again. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you for listening. Subscribe to the show, and we'll talk to you next week. Thank you for listening. For more, check us out online at TotalCarscore.com.